Is it time? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you're here with us today at our 11 o'clock service. I feel like we have some reunion here going on. Former choir teacher. Yes, and she still speaks to You may want to. We may want to pray for you. <laughs> no, you're good. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to worship. Uh, several announcements today. We're glad that you all are with us. In your bulletins, we have a tear-off portion. Uh, if you're a guest, which I don't know if you're a guest or not, but yeah, fill out this blue part and turn it into the offering plate as it goes by, it goes by, and we'll have a record of your attendance. And please, if you have any prayer requests, uh, put them on the bottom of the yellow side, and we will be faithful to pray for you at our staff meetings each week. Wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who helped with our cleanup day yesterday. We had a good group. I don't know how many we had. Did you get a count? 40 people. That's fantastic. Praise God for that. And uh, they did a wonderful job. I was, I was impressed with the team. They had great attitude, great spirit. And so on behalf of the property, the building property team, we want to thank everyone for doing that as we prepare for our 40th anniversary. And I was saying, let's keep it looking as good as it is. You know, that's fantastic. So thank you, uh, Robbie, and thank you for everyone who helped with that and uh, for all those who came out. So hopefully you get a chance to explore the building and see some of the, the cleanness. I was saying it smells even good in some of those classes. You remember that? Yeah, all right. So that's great. Uh, tonight we are starting our new Sunday night program, so make sure to be aware of that. Children, RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, Children Choir, 5 to 6 over in the FLC, right? Are we in the second floor of the FLC or downstairs? First floor of the FLC. All right. Some in the bottom, some in the top. So, what was that? GAs are upstairs. Mission friends downstairs. Very good. So, all children, five to six o'clock tonight, over in the FLC. We're starting our new time for RAs, GAs, mission friends, and choirs. So, make sure to come and support that. Tell your friends that's when we are meeting with our children. And then, right here in the sanctuary at five o'clock, we're going to have our new teaching service. It's called Encounter. And I'm excited about it because our first, we don't know how many weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Colossians to start this off. So it's not going to be a set number of weeks, but I'm excited about what God is going to do through the encounter service as we learn from God's word each week. So 5 o'clock right here in the sanctuary while the children are in RHGA's Mission Friends, it will be great for you to be here with us. Also, uh, thank you for the leadership for Awanas that started off on Wednesday. There are still some needs, especially in some of the classes for assistance to help with Bible memorization and listening and helping with the, with the individual work with some of the children. So anybody of any age can do that. So if you're not engaged in one of the Connect Bible studies or in the prayer meeting here, we would love some help with Awanas. And so just let me know if you would be interested in that. We had a great kickoff Thank you for those who made the cake for it. That was fantastic. Um, And so that was a true blessing. And let me introduce our guest speaker before we bring on our next two people. This is Bert Browning, and he is friends with Tim for a long time, from what I understand. And uh, he lives in Midlothian, was, was the last pastor. It was at Huguenot Road Baptist Church has been in Culpeper, among other places, and served as a pastor. So we are blessed to have him come and share a word from the Lord with us today. So thank you for being here. Um, 
Let's do, Sandra, you want to come on up? We have some announcements about our Alma Hunt offer. Good morning. I'm excited about tonight about the mission groups and the choirs. So if you have children or neighbors or grandchildren in those ages, I hope, uh, pray that you will bring them. I'm also excited about um, the Alma Hunt offering emphasis. The week of prayer starts tomorrow. Actually, I had to catch myself during the early service. I almost called um, Alma Hunt Annie Armstrong, both A names. But anyway, I caught myself. So um, you've seen in the touchstone this week that our goal is $3,150. And um, you might notice in the pews where there's um, the Alma Hunt um, offering envelopes, they're a lot more colorful than the ones in your offering boxes. But there's a lot of information on those, too. Uh, so I wanted to just give you a couple of highlights about Alma Hunt. Um, she lived to be 99 years old. Uh, she was a crusader um, for Virginia missions here in the state of Virginia, and um, when you, not just in Virginia, but the offering, when you give to this offering, it goes, um, it doesn't stop here. It begins in Virginia, goes to our country and to the world. So some of you, over the years, you might have met Alma Hunt um, when she was at Camp Crossroads or GAs or any meetings that you might have been to, but she was a remarkable lady, crusader for Virginia missions. Now, I was really tickled um, when I was looking at the inserts, which you'll see in your, in your bulletin, and this, these were printed months before we went on the mission trip uh, last month to Nicholsville, Virginia, and uh, Jan and Tony Johnson the missionaries' uh, residence there at the manor where we stayed, um, there's an emphasis there, a write-up about them. And they were, I mean, the manor, the manor house where we stayed, it was just remarkable. Part of the Alma Hunt offering funding uh, provides for the manor house. And so that was, I mean, that was neat. I mean, you can read that and see that. Well, there was another one on here during the week of prayer for the Camp Crossroads. And we also have a local connection, a local tie to that. Um, Alice Bridges' daughter, Kristen White, I believe she's the um, Camp Crossroads director, and her husband, Nathan, also, I believe, works with um, Camp Crossroads. But anyway, and you'll see the theme on here, and I've told you what the goal was. And so you have your information, and the theme is say yes. So let's say yes to a big, generous offering Alma Hunt State offering uh, for Virginia Missions. Thank you. Good morning. I want to thank everyone who has prayed for our church as we plan for our 40th anniversary coming up October the 14th and the 15th. We've had a tremendous response to our 40 days of prayer sign-up sheet. And if you have not had an opportunity to sign up for a day and you would like to pray for our church, we would love to have you sign up. I will put the sign-up sheet in the vestibule when I leave from here uh, making the announcements. Um, thank you for everybody that has signed up already and those that have already had their opportunity to pray for our church. Thank you for that. Um, Mary Kay Wynn was very kind to put some scripture on here, so you can look at that as you also pray during your day. But we have had a good response for that, and we want to thank everyone for doing that. So, again, I'm up here to remind you that October the 14th, that's Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, we're going to be having a tasting over in the Family Life Center. We're going to be having a time of fellowship, 
and we're going to have a slide presentation that will bring back memories of our 40 years here at Mechanicsville Baptist Church. And then on Sunday morning, October the 15th, we're going to have just one worship service that morning, and we're going to start at 1045 with some pre-service music. Uh, Brenda and Linda will be leading us in some music uh, before the 11 o'clock hour, so maybe you Sunday school teachers, and we'll try to spread the word, maybe Sunday school can release a little bit earlier, and when we come over to the worship service, we'll be ready to worship the Lord. We're going to have, hopefully, quite a few former staff members here, so we'll be worshiping together, and uh, most importantly, we'll be having Charles Morrison. He will be our guest speaker that morning at the 11 o'clock service, and uh, he was our uh, associate pastor at the time of merger in 1977 when Mechanicsville Baptist uh, merged from West Hill and Venable. Okay, so keep those dates still in your mind. We would love to see you and all of your family and friends in attendance both Saturday evening at 7 o'clock and on Sunday morning as we celebrate God's faithfulness to our church. Thank you very much. Good morning. Uh-oh. Okay. You ought to be used to me by now. You know you have to say it with lots of energy. Good morning. Good morning. Are you ready to praise God? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Remember last week we read the scripture from Colossians that says Jesus is our all in all. It doesn't matter where you come from, whether you've got a blue shirt on or a black shirt on, or whether you're dressed up or not, whether you're young or old, it does not matter. Jesus is our all in all. So I'm going to ask you to stand again. If you need the words, they're in your hymnal, page 143, and give it all to Jesus. Would you stand, please? You are thy strength when I am weak. I don't hear you. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my
more time a cappella. Ready? Give it to God. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful people to be in your house and to be alive and to celebrate the name of Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your goodness. God, we give you this service this day so that you would be glorified, so that you would be lifted up and that your spirit would dwell here amongst us, and that we would be changed as we encounter you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> hymnal? Hymnal? We need it. It's like my wife last week. She was like, why is there not a hymnal up there? I was like, that's a good thing. We just put a hymnal up here. We are doing 315. Everyone stand together. We're singing His Name is Wonderful, number 315 in your hymnals. be seated. Thank you for not staying home because Tim wasn't going to be here. Or maybe you're just finding out that Tim wasn't going to be here today. It's good to be with you. I'm Bert Browning, as Dwight has already told you. Uh, Tim and I have known each other for about 30 plus years, a long time, but I came anyway. So you you can tell him I said that. I'm not as funny. Nobody is as funny as Tim is. But I'll try to um, at least fill in adequately for him. It's good to be with you. I don't know 
this part of the greater Richmond area like I know the south side of Richmond. I don't get out this way as much, except last Saturday night I was helping at Richmond Raceway for the NASCAR race. I know Tim does that, and some of you, I think, also volunteer. Actually, you don't volunteer. I think you all get paid for what you do over there. Uh, some of you, at least according to Tim, you do get some remuneration. Um, I work with the chaplains there for the races, and uh, that's how I know how to get to this church, among other things. Uh, that and the fact that I have been over here on a number of occasions for other meetings, not on Sunday, but other meetings that uh, Tim has been kind enough to host. So it is good to be with you. As we pray together this morning, we know there's a lot going on in our community and in our world, don't we? Um, we, we managed to get through whatever happened yesterday in downtown Richmond without too much fuss. We know people are still suffering in other parts of the country from uh, hurricanes and uh, other natural disasters. And then, of course, there are the things in your lives and in your situations for which you would want to pray. Because I don't know you very well, I can't pray the way Tim would for your particular needs. But I pray and you pray to the same God. And uh, we trust that God is hearing us and hearing the prayers of your hearts. So let us go to God in prayer together. God, we thank you that even though we do not know each other particularly well in this room, you know us all. You know our concerns and our joys, our sorrows and our triumphs. Everything about us, Lord, you are well aware of, even before we utter a need or a request or an expression of praise to you. We first of all thank you for life, for your goodness, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for the way that you sustain us day by day. And God, we thank you for this church and for what it means to these good people and others who are probably not here today. We thank you for its history and its ministry and for the way that this church has represented and stood for the gospel for so many years and continues to do so. Lord, we thank you that you are at the center of worship here, at the center of study, at the center of missions, the center of everything that is said and done here. And we pray, O oh God, that we would continue to glorify you through this church and through every other church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for your sustaining power. We pray for those who are in distress today because of hurricanes and, and other things that have happened over which they have no control. Bless and comfort and keep. And thank you that through Virginia Baptist we have a witness and a ministry that's going on even as we speak. We thank you for sustaining the city of Richmond yesterday and guiding us through what could have been a very difficult time uh, over controversy about statues and a host of other things. God, we pray your mercies upon those who are ill today, those who are sorrowing in the death of loved ones. Thank you that you are near. We pray that your ministry would be very real to each one. Be in hospital rooms and in places of sorrow 
And God, we pray that your voice will be heard and that your spirit might minister in power and in grace. Lord, we are grateful to you for every way that you touch our lives, for every way that you call us and stretch us to be more than we can be in our own abilities. Lord, lead us as we worship. Uh, Bless Tim and his family as they're celebrating a, a wedding this weekend. May they have much joy in that. And God, whatever state we find ourselves in today, we pray that we will be grateful to you and look to you for strength and guidance. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's stand again together and turn in your hymnals to number 552, My Jesus, I Love Thee. 552.
Good morning. Good morning. Is God awesome this morning? Yeah. Huh? Put your hand. Can we put our hands together and praise God this morning? Can we say thank you, Lord, for this? I say that because in about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, some folks are going to be yelling and screaming at the TV and yelling at the referees, and we don't have a problem putting our hands together for them. We should be able to praise God with boldness and, and just letting it out and letting people know how good God has been to us. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to God in prayer this morning, and we're going to thank him for the things he has done for us. I am a big believer in prayer. God does miraculous things. Matthew 7, 7 tells us that we should go to him and ask and knock and seek and not give up. This morning when we go to God in prayer, every eye closed, every heart open, and talk to the Father about the need that you have and that what you're seeking from him to answer to you. Most holy God, Father, we come to you this morning. A few of your believers have gathered together, O oh Lord. We come seeking you, O oh Father, the presence of you in our lives. We come seeking, Father, the presence of you in our service and allowing, O oh God, the Holy Spirit to move about from heart to heart and from breast to breast. We come this morning, O oh God, laying not just the offering and tithes before you this morning, O oh God, but we come laying our bodies, laying our souls. We come presenting to you, God, every health issue. We come presenting, O oh God, every issue that may be going on in our lives, every issue that we don't even know about. We come to lay it at the foot of the cross this morning. You have told us that you would take care of all things if we come to you wholeheartedly and seek your face. So this morning, God, we lay it before you. We ask, oh God, that you would bless the giver as well as the gift. Let it be used for the edifying of thy kingdom. Lift it up, O oh Lord, that people will see and recognize thy name from, the, from one end of the earth to the other. This prayer we ask in the most holy God. Amen.
in January, I'm going to be leading a January Bible study at First Baptist Richmond, and uh, we're going to be studying Psalms, and one of the things I'll be telling them, and see, you get to hear it three months early, yeah, or four months early, is that, can you imagine a worship service with no music? Can you imagine what it would be to try to worship God without the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and anthems and bells and all the wonderful ways that we have of worshiping God. It would be worship, but it would not be the same, would it? Not at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's biblical. And, and with that theme, the text for today is from the book of Psalms. So if you would like to follow along, I'm reading from Psalm 40. Now, I'm using the New Revised Standard Version, which is probably different from what you're using, but it won't be, it won't be dramatically different, just a little different with some words here and there. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 10, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy or blessed are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods." You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Here I am, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So we end this reading of God's word And may God bless it, the reading and the hearing of it. Let us pray together. God, as we look together at your word, we pray that your spirit will speak and instruct us and inspire us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm thinking of two mine disasters that have taken place in recent years. When I read about the miry pit, the slimy pit, it makes me think of those. One, uh, probably you will remember both of these. One took place in July of 2002 in Somerset, Pennsylvania, when a mine collapse took place and nine miners found themselves on the wrong end of the mine. Water was rising in that mine, and uh, those who were on the surface had to figure out how to get those men out of that mine before they drowned or before they suffocated. They were able to put an air uh, hose down into that mine. They were able to pump air in not only to give them oxygen, but to equalize the pressure in that collapsed mine so the water did not continue to rise and drown those men. Over the next 77 hours... 
there was a feverish attempt to get them out, and they were successful. They managed to rescue all nine coal miners from that Somerset, Pennsylvania mine, got them out even battling through broken drill bits and the uncertainty of what they were going to find or if they were going to be able to get them out at all. But they did, and they lived to tell about it. Another mine disaster that I'm thinking of took place more recently in 2010 in Chile. Many of us remember that. It was a gold and copper mine that uh, collapsed and left 33 miners 2,000 feet underground. You may remember it took the better part of two or three months to get them out. And they survived, all 33. A, A film, a movie was made of that disaster, came out just a year or two ago, called The 33. Maybe you saw it, or at least you heard about that film being made. They all made it out. They clung together for warmth and security and encouragement, and they made it out of the mine. And I've already mentioned in my prayer, but we have to think about the slimy pit that some folks find themselves in today in Texas, in Florida, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, in the Caribbean, a host of other places where there are people who, through no particular fault of their own, find themselves struggling today. They're in a miry pit. They're in the bog that David describes in his psalm here, the, this, this desolate place. Uh, we have to remember that there are some situations and circumstances beyond our personal control. There are things that happened that we don't plan on. And all of the wealth we have, all of our intellect, our pedigree, our personal, physical, and emotional strength, and even the caution that we exercise is not always sufficient for us to avoid the miry pit, the desolate place, the the slimy pit. We just find ourselves there, not because we wanted to be there, but we just are. I don't know what your slimy pit situation might be. It might be personal illness. It may be some family difficulty. It may be a job situation that you don't have any control over. It may be an income issue. Whatever it is, you may well be there, not because of anything you planned or wanted to happen, but happen it did. Well, the psalmist has been there. As he writes, as he composes this hymn, He's been in that same place, in that desolate place, in the miry pit. Uh, For David, if it was indeed David, and we're not sure if David actually wrote this psalm or if it's just attributed to him or in honor of him, but we know that David found himself in many places, some of his own making and some not of his own making. He found himself in the middle of a number of military skirmishes, on the wrong end of some personal indiscretions in his life. There were times that he faced fear and illness, the burden of being the king of a nation, of a struggling nation, all kinds of circumstances, not all of which David planned on, but they took place. There are times when we simply throw up our hands and say, oh God, help me, because there isn't anything else we can say or do. Now, it doesn't seem to be our human nature to do that first. We always seem to do that last always amazes me when, when people say, well, we've tried everything and all we can do now is pray. And I think, that's great. Did you think of doing that first instead of last? It's like last resort. 
All we can do is pray. Well, that's fine. It might have been good if that had been the first choice as well as the last choice. But it seems to be something of a last resort for you and me when we find ourselves in the slimy pit or in the the mire in this desolate place. We try everything else, and if all else fails as an act of desperation, we turn to God. Not our first instinct, but sometimes our final choice. The first church I pastored one Sunday, I preached on not this passage, but I mentioned that I was an impatient person. Whatever passage I was preaching on, it was about patience. And I said I, patience was not one of my spiritual gifts. And a lady in the church a couple of weeks later gave me a plaque to put on the wall, that, and I still have it. It says, give me patience, Lord, but hurry. And that's, that, that's, that's us, isn't it? Give me patience, Lord, but, but do it yesterday. Do it, do it quick because I'm not patient. We live in a kind of world where we want everything to happen quick and now or already. Uh, we've been spoiled by the microwave, haven't we? We've been spoiled by the ATMs where we can go up and pull cash out of that thing, you know, just so easy. Everything we, we want, we can have in a flash now. Our smartphones, everything, if we want to know something, we just Google it and we find out right away everything we want, but there are still those circumstances in life where we can't get our way, we don't see our way through, we don't see a quick or easy solution, we're stuck, we're caught, and we don't know which way to turn. One of the marks of maturing faith is learning to deal with life in God's timing learning to wait patiently upon God when life is complicated, when nothing else will do except to wait upon God. David, the psalmist, learned that, and I think we can learn it as well. There's some discipline that you and I need to work on if we're going to be people of of patience and people of faith. The first thing, I think, I'm going to suggest two things to you. One is an attitude adjustment. We need an attitude adjustment. David remembers in this psalm, remembers God's past deliverance. He remembers what God has done in his life and in the lives of those who've gone before him. He says, God, you have been faithful. And I remember, David says, when I have been faithful to you, when I've allowed patience to prevail, you have delivered me. So an attitude adjustment is needed, an attitude of patience. Now, why patience? It would have been great, wouldn't it, if David could have have just written, Lord, I did good things and you rewarded me. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? We don't get our way. We don't get pulled out of the pit because we do good things and God rewards us because we don't earn God's approval or help. God saves us by grace not because we do good things or we think we're deserving. So David didn't write that. The psalmist also didn't write, I said all the right things in just the right way, and you, Lord, were pleased. doesn't work that way either, because God is not accessed by us saying magic words in a special way. It doesn't work that way. If somebody tells you, if you say these right words in just the right way, everything will be fine, run the other way. That's not good theology. God is not manipulated. 
We don't say the right thing in the right way and somehow God answers with a magic formula for you and me. David also doesn't write in his psalm, he doesn't say, well, I've had enough and I demanded that God write the injustices imposed upon me and God conceded. No, it doesn't work that way either because we don't debate with God or browbeat God into doing things our way. We can shake our fist at God and tell God how unfair everything is, but that doesn't change the circumstance. The attitude is one of patience. Patience is about understanding that God acts in God's own way, in God's own timing, and according to God's wisdom. We don't get to do it our way. The psalmist writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry and drew me up from the desolate pit. I waited, he says, on God. When God's way and timing and wisdom converged, then God did hear, did turn, did lift David from distress, and did set him on firm ground. And David says, when that happened, God put a new song in my heart to celebrate the goodness and saving power of God. Sometimes we sing the hymn, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. That's our psalm of faith. It's the same thing that David was singing in his psalm and writing in his psalm. God has delivered in the past, and I will be in an attitude now of patience, waiting for God to work in God's timing, God's way, and according to God's wisdom. Well, I said there are two things I want you to notice here. One is that attitude adjustment. The other thing is appropriate action that you and I can take. Appropriate action when we are finding ourselves in that miry pit, in that desolate place that we cannot pull ourselves out of. It's going to depend on someone else to do it. And what we need then is appropriate, not only attitude, but appropriate action. It is to seek and to do God's will in the midst of our difficulty. Now, we're tempted to throw up our hands or shake our fists at God and say, I'm not in this deal, God, until you're in it with me. doesn't work that way. David says very clearly in this passage of Scripture, I continue to seek and do the will of God even in the midst of my difficulty. Even when I didn't want to, even when I didn't feel like it, even when I couldn't see the way out, even when I didn't understand what it was that was going on in my life, David says, my action is to continue to seek you, O God, and do your will no matter what. There's an interesting thing here. This passage gets quoted in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. When the writer of Hebrews is describing the ministry of Jesus, uh, let's see, it's verses 6 through 8 of this psalm are quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, which read, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. That's the writer of Hebrews describing the ministry of Christ in the midst of all the difficulty that Christ faced He still continued to seek and do the will of God. 
and he quotes from this psalm about the wisdom of doing so, seeking God's will, even when things are tough. That's priority for you and me. Uh, We are to live and proclaim the glory of God, even as we seek and do the will of God. And this is what David proclaims in, in verse 10 of Psalm 40. He says, I will continue to proclaim what? God's righteousness, God's faithfulness, God's salvation, love, and truth. Those are the things I will continue to affirm in my life by what I say and by what I, and by what I do, no matter what is going on in my life. Our life activity in waiting is not passive but active. Do you ever find yourself sitting in a doctor's office or at DMV just thinking, been here a long, long time. And we start looking at our, you might even be doing it now. You know, you start looking at your watch and thinking, how long, oh Lord? How long? Well, let me suggest something to you that I've learned a long time ago. When I go to the doctor's office or DMV, I don't go empty-handed. I take a book or a magazine or at least my smartphone so I can look at something reasonably intelligent other than sitting there with sighing and, you know, blowing air out of my nostrils because I'm so impatient. There can be an active waiting as well as a passive waiting. The reason I say that isn't just to help you at DMV or the doctor's office, but when you and I are waiting on God to help us out, Sometimes our, our tendency is to fold those arms and go, hmm, so when are you going to fix this, God? It doesn't work that way, does it? Attitude adjustment for patience and an action, an active waiting, still proclaiming the will of God, still trusting God even when things are difficult. Um, it's being prepared for what's not so good. How about those miners? You remember the miners we talked about at the beginning of this message? You know what they were doing in those mines for 77 hours and then for two months in the case of those in Chile? They were encouraging one another in the darkness of the mine. The reason all the miners were rescued in both cases was not just what was going on on the surface. It was what they were doing for one another in the miry pit They were encouraging each other, huddling together for warmth, sharing what little nourishment they had, making sure that everybody was taken care of, watched after, even in the middle of the difficulty they faced. Nobody sat on their hands and said, oh, woe is me, poor me. Why did this happen to me? No, they were part of their own deliverance. And because of that, they came out on the other end just fine. A little worse for wear, but they survived. And they praised God for it in most cases. So are you feeling impatient in the pit today? I don't know what your pit is. You know what your pit is. You know whatever it is you, you have faced, or if you aren't facing it now, you will face at some point some kind of difficulty, some place of desolation. Let me tell you a simple lesson I learned, and then I'll be done. Uh, several years ago, <clears throat> I was making a pastoral call at Chippenham Medical Center, and I got on the elevator, as I was wont to do, headed to the fifth floor. Got on there. It was a gurney-sized elevator. It's a big elevator, you know, the one they can roll the gurney on, so not a small one. 
And two doctors were already on the elevator. I got on, and we made our way going up to fifth floor. And between the third and fourth floors, the elevator stopped. It didn't stop at the third or at the fourth. It stopped between the two floors. It wasn't a power failure. Light stayed on, fan was, you know, everything was fine, except we were stuck. Well, one of the doctors made a real helpful comment. He looked around and said, well, let's see, we're stuck between three and four. That means we're probably 30 to 40 feet off the ground. I suppose if it crashes, we'll live. That, that was so helpful. You know, that, that was just what I wanted to hear. I wouldn't suggest when you're in the miry pit that that's the kind of comment you make. Well, there we stood, and I, I'll tell you, I, I found out how claustrophobic, not just how impatient I am, but how claustrophobic I am. In a matter of seconds, my palms got sweaty. The perspiration popped out on my brow. My pulse got accelerated because I felt trapped, even in that big gurney-sized elevator. I didn't know what to do. Well, we had a couple of options because the power was still on. They've had that little emergency bell. You can push the button and a bell rings. That makes you feel a little better because you you know you, you do that with God too, don't you? We push, the, we push the button like, God, I'm in trouble here. And then they have a phone. There's always an emergency phone. So since these two doctors were sitting in the back with their arms folded and discussing whether they thought we were going to die or not if the thing fell, I picked up the phone and a voice came on the other end. It was one of the Chippenham Medical Center operators. And she said, may I help you? I said, oh, yes. Yes, you, most, you may most definitely help us. We're stuck in whatever elevator it was. I said, you could, it was identified. And so we identified the elevator. And as we were talking, none of the three of us realized, but the elevator was slowly settling down. And we didn't realize it until it went boom. And we were on the third floor. It had stopped the light, showed three, and the doors opened. I guess it's an automatic sort of fail-safe thing that the elevator does. It didn't collapse to the, in a heap in the basement. It settled to the third floor. The doors opened. And I just left that poor operator on the line. I just put the phone down, and all three of us fled the elevator as fast as we could before the doors closed and it decided to go down again. And we probably should have done a better job of wrapping that up. But anyway, we survived. But it taught me once again about my lack of patience and how quickly life can change. All it takes is a phone call you didn't expect. You get called into the office in the middle of the day when you know it's not good news. Or your bank account doesn't look like it should and you get an overdrawn statement of some kind or something happens or you get a diagnosis you weren't expecting. Something happens that you weren't looking for. The psalmist writes in verse 4 of Psalm 40, Blessed is the one who makes the Lord his or her trust. Where are you trapped? Where are you stuck? What is your challenge in waiting? Help does come, but it comes in God's timing, in God's way and according to God's wisdom. God has delivered us before, and God will do that again. The challenge of our faith is in the wait. The challenge of our faith is what we do when we're in the pit. We can't deliver ourselves, and we are totally, completely dependent on the grace of God to get us out. 
be patient. That's the attitude. And wait actively, still seeking and doing the will of God and continuing to proclaim his mercy and his goodness in the midst of it, giving thanks all the while. Oh, easier said than done, isn't it? Wait patiently, for God does deliver. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this psalm of the impatient. We thank you that the psalmist faced the same things that we do. Life is just too real sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation that we cannot extract ourselves from it in our own strength or in our own way or in our own timing. God, be our strength, be our refuge. God, be the one to whom we turn in patience and in gratitude and in faith. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. I want to extend to you the invitation of the day, which is what is always the invitation of this church, I am sure, and that is to publicly profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then later to follow him in baptism. You are welcome to make that kind of profession of faith today as we sing a closing hymn, or to recommit your life to God in faith. Say, maybe, maybe what you need to say to Dwight today is, oh, Lord, help me in my impatience. God, help me to be one who continues to live the faith and seek God's will, even in the middle of difficulty. Or you were invited to unite with this congregation. If God has led you here to this good people, to this good church, what better day to unite? Tim would be so pleased. <laughs> He'd be so surprised uh, if that were the case in, you, in your situation. As we stand and sing together hymn number 417, you respond as God speaks to you. Let us stand as we sing.
Thank you for being so attentive today. I do appreciate that. You were actually listening. And I, let me tell you, that's not always the case. When I stand in the pulpit, sometimes people have already checked out somewhere. So thank you for paying attention. Let me have the benediction for you, and then I'll greet you at the door. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us through many generations. We know that you have been around long before us, and in eternity you wait before us. We ask, God, that we might be faithful and patient as we wait upon you to do your work. Bless us as we seek to serve you day by day in the world that awaits us as we go through these doors. Bless us, O God, as we seek to be faithful, seeking your will, and continuing to trust you even when things are not good. We are grateful to you for Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We are grateful for the sustaining spirit that you exhibit to us daily in our lives. Bless us and keep us. Amen.